And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable. The most honorable. The most audible. Welcome to Anything is Potable! Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packer, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen, and we are coming to you live on a Saturday night after the Celtics lose to the Golden State Warriors in prime time, 123-107. to It was just not a great Offensive performance from the Celtics. Jason Tatum seemed to perform like he did in the NBA Finals. He only had 18 points. The Celtics did not shoot well from three. Jay, what's your biggest takeaway or biggest reaction to the Warriors? Pretty much uh, beating the Celtics uh, for 48 minutes tonight. Yeah, that was not the performance from the Celtics I expected. I got to be honest, my phone just cut out while you were in the middle of your intro, so I don't really know what you said. I mentioned uh, uh, that the uh, Tatum did not shoot well and the Celtics did not make many threes. Yeah, that that sums up a lot of it. Uh, then Blake Griffin standing in the middle of the paint while Steph Curry and Klay Thompson went bonkers. Not really great, but... I don't really know what else you can do, honestly. Like, that's one of those things where it looks insane to have Blake Griffin just stand in the middle of the paint while two of the best shooters in history just get to their spots and make jumpers. Um, but you can't go small too often. And the Celtics, did they played really small in the second half. Um, Luke Cornett was not in the game in the second half. Griffin only played a little while. But if you're going to have Blake Griffin on the court, and you kind of have to have Blake Griffin on the court for a little while at least, like, are you going to have him switch? No. He'll get dusted. Are you going to have him, like, up on the level of the ball? Probably not. Again, he'll get dusted. Um, But, yeah, sitting back in the paint isn't good either, as as the Celtics saw throughout the second quarter. And... uh yeah, I, I really expected a different night from the Celtics. I thought they were just pissed off from the finals. I thought they would be locked in. I thought they would just be so ready. I thought Tatum would have a big game and kind of continue what he's done this season. And it wasn't any of that. Uh, their defense got shredded for parts of the first half. Their offense was like as disjointed as it's been all season. Uh, kind of felt a lot like the finals in a lot of ways. So... Pretty pretty bad performance from the Celtics in a finals rematch. Yeah, it felt like uh, I thought their offense was a little bit better in the first half. Clearly Tatum did not have it going um, and missed a lot of shots uh, in the paint, which I think you tweeted out just a, a, an absurdly bad number from him. He clearly didn't have it. 
uh, tonight, and that's disappointing. But I think in the first half, the Celtics missed a lot of um, just open threes and shots that we've we've gotten used to them making at a high volume and high efficiency this year, and they missed them. Um, just some wide opens ones. Feels like White missed some. Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. Uh, I think another part issue there is the the it led to just easy transition baskets for the Warriors. There's a point there in the second quarter where they missed two wide open threes, and it just led to uh, both Warriors defenders. I think it was Thompson and then Poole just leaked out, and it's basically like a ten point swing for the Celtics. The second half was not as big as like a, just the Celtics missing open shots. They were just not creating as many good looks there. And that really had some finals flashbacks where the Celtics, I mean, the Warriors just did a damn good job on defense. And the Celtics went small, but could never really go, get back in the game. It's not like the small lineup was consistently getting stops. I thought they had some, some good moments uh, where they were switching more and creating some more turnovers, but they're never really able to stretch together more than like three to four minutes of good basketball. And, and the offense in the second half, just other than Jalen Brown making his like doing individually uh, playing well, they never really found anything that uh, gave them like consistently good looks. You want to hear a pretty insane stat? I would. <laughs> the Celtics took five shots from within four feet of the basket. Five the entire game. That sounds impossible, um, and it helps explain why Jason Tatum was inefficient. Jalen Brown, like he had a big game, but it felt like everything was just like really tough shots from like fifteen to seventeen feet. They had a really really tough time getting the paint um, and creating any easy looks. Like I can remember five or six leakouts that the Warriors had. Celtics didn't really have a lot of that either. Um, half court transition, like there were very few easy, easy buckets that they were able to produce. Taking five shots from inside of four feet, like that's really tough to do when you include fast breaks and everything else. Like, I, I almost don't even trust that stat. No, that <laughs> sounds that impossible. <laughs> that's wild. That um, doesn't even sound like I feel like I can remember more. Maybe that's maybe that's wrong. I'm I'm looking at cleaning the glass right now. Like I feel um, like they had Jalen and J- Jason Tatum had like. Uh, Two give and go alley oops to each other. Is that two of the five? And then uh Malcolm Brogdon hit a layup, I think, at one point. Um uh, maybe yeah, that's it about c- it. Could could just be wrong. Um, but either way, the the Celtics offense, like it just turned into a lot of stagnant isolation play. Like there were very few of the sequences where like the Celtics create an advantage and get to the paint, kick it out, drive a close out, kick it out to somebody else and then shoot a three. Like there was so little of that. I, I think you got to credit the Warriors. Their defense has been like very average to mediocre this season, but we know that when they're fully healthy, when they're fully dialed in, like that is not an average defense. And I think from the first possession of the game, like they were just Really, really sharp on that. And I say from the first possession of the game, because literally on the first possession of the game, like Clay Thompson disrupted them. Uh and it was just like like a really bad possession for the Celtics. So like that, that hasn't happened a lot for the Celtics. And may, maybe honestly they were just too excited for this matchup. You you know that they've been waiting for this for several months. Um they literally like 
it's hard to explain. I've probably done it in the podcast before, but it's hard to explain just how, like, in the Celtics' face, the Warriors championship celebration was. Like, you could literally hear the entire thing from where the Celtics were. You could you could smell the booze from where the Celtics were. You could, like, see cigar smoke from where the Celtics were. Uh, so they literally had the Warriors celebrate that in front of their face a few months ago. So maybe part of it was just they were too excited. But it was not a good performance from them. Uh, and it was kind of a step back in a lot of ways that that they need to make progress and that for the most part this season they have made progress. Um, but truly, truly a bad, bad, bad showing. And just such a high contrast coming off that game against the Phoenix Suns where they just absolutely blow the doors off them and are up by 40 points. And um, it's interesting because all of the comments kind of like coming out of that game, whereas uh, there's so much focus on, you know, Jason Tatum's like, it doesn't mean anything unless we get this championship. There's so much focus on how driven the Celtics are because of that finals loss and wanting to get back that championship. So like you, I was expecting them to come out um, stronger tonight, but they just, it's weird. They like, I can kind of get the the kind of offensive struggles when you do have Blake in the game or uh, Luke Cornett and the Celt- like the, the Warriors basically just don't have to guard him and there's, and there's less spacing, but they, they tried a lineup, which um, I didn't think we'd see a lot of. They, we saw a good, like, multiple stints of Jason Tatum at center. They had a lineup. It was uh, just White, Brogdon, Smart, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum. And you would think a lineup with, like, that much shooting and playmaking, you, like, can play five out and, like, at least get to the rim, at least drive for the paint. I don't know what the Warriors were doing just, but, like, just swarming on defense, it felt like they're the the Warriors' ball pressure. There was just no way for the Celtics, like you say, to, to generate any looks. And I just expected more when they went to that small lineup um, with how good their ball movement has been and how good their uh, outside shooting has been to kind of just do a little bit more. We just didn't see um, as much of that movement and much of that off-ball movement. And a lot of it sticks out just compared to like, damn, the Warriors are so good uh just with their movement when they have the basketball uh and just like constantly moving off ball clay thompson was incredible at night uh just i i didn't i i i had questioned clay i didn't know if clay had 34 point games in him he had 20 points i think in the first half but just him pool and curry are just like constantly moving um stood in high contrast to what the celtics were doing tonight uh especially when they had these kind of smaller lineups there that you think would be designed to kind of get more movement, get more uh, just drive and kick, uh, just, just never got anything going. Yeah, it felt too like like this was the most obvious example of how badly the Celtics need Robert Williams and or Al Horford. Uh, like Blake Griffin as a spot starter has been fine most of the time and offensively I think he was pretty good defensively he probably did exactly what the Celtics asked him to do which was stand in the paint uh which did not disrupt the Warriors at all but like his minutes allowed Curry and Thompson to get going his minutes uh and then Luke Cornett came in and 
felt like the the athleticism and the pace that the Warriors second unit played with was just too much for him. Um, and maybe it was just tonight. Like it could have just been a bad night, but he fouled Kamingo one time. He fouled Jordan Poole. And then the Celtics took him out after he was, I think they were outscored like eight points in a quick, quick spurt with him and just never played him again. Uh, but, but it's one of those games that kind of makes you question. We've said it on the podcast before, like maybe they're okay with Luke Cornett being their third center, uh, in a playoff situation but tonight was one of those games where you kind of wonder right because you're at the highest levels of basketball which is when they'll need a third big man uh and when like luke cornett when it will matter whether he's good enough i just feel like like having a third guy who can give you a little more mobility and a little more like versatility would be helpful um like you don't want to be playing guys who the only thing they can do is drop coverage. And Luke Cor- like Cornet switched a little bit. He's he's done some different stuff. Uh, but you're kind of limited in what you can do when he's on the court, just like you're limited with Blake Griffin on the court. And obviously it won't matter if Al Horford and Robert Williams are both healthy and avoid foul trouble and all that. Uh, but it is one of those games where you just just wonder if if they are if they should go after uh, you know, a more mobile defensive big who can allow them to do some stuff um, defensively that they just couldn't do or or didn't feel comfortable doing tonight against Golden State. What do you think about Grant's minutes at the five? Because that was like the other kind of smaller lineup. Like they, it seemed like they had some, like that was just more effective uh, than, you know, just playing drop coverage. Um, do you think he's like a possible solution? It's just like, as that kind of like backup big, just considering how much guard depth they have, like he will be your small ball five. Cause that feels like the, if they, if they don't go out and make a move, like that's kind of like who they'd be relying on to play, to back up Horford and, and time Lord uh, in those moments. Yeah. And I think you can, you can definitely do that. Um, and then the Celtic, like offensive rebounding for golden state, I'm not sure what the numbers were, but it didn't feel like a huge issue. Oh, uh, I dis- I lot- disagree. 11 offensive rebounds, um, which is like – They had 21, I mean, 21 second-chance points. Yeah, so so they had a lot of second-chance points, but like offensive rebounding wasn't necessarily – like it was just they were very efficient in those chances, and maybe that's just because they're the Warriors, and when they do get those chances, it's like, they get great looks every time because they're the Warriors. Um, but going s- small to to Grant Williams against Golden State and like Kevon Looney, he's really good on the glass. And he had three offensive rebounds. Um, and so he can really punish you when you do go to those small lineups. So Warriors can just put you in predicaments that not a lot of teams can do in the regular season. So, but it's good. It's good to kind of see some of that stuff now uh one other stat that really stood out 17 assists uh i feel like the celtics offense has regressed a little bit lately uh, it probably was going to at some point regardless uh and maybe that's an insane thing to say after the phoenix game the other night but like how, how many times recently like the past five games has the celtics offense really been at a high level um, 
Well, Black that Phoenix game, I would say. <laughs> the Phoenix game for sure. But for a while there, it was like every single game was just kind of an insane night for the Celtics offense. Um, but like the second Miami game was Miami was able to disrupt the Celtics. The Brooklyn game was just kind of an ugly game. The first half against the Raptors, same thing. Celtics probably played one good quarter of that game. Um, and then this this Golden State game, it's just I don't know whether teams have kind of figured out how to take the Celtics out of that rhythm a little bit or whether the Celtics are just um, just not doing all the right things like they were for a while. And it, look, it's really hard to have the best offense in NBA history all the time. And, <laughs> Otherwise, other teams and, would do it. <laughs> and having that expectation is – probably unrealistic but but the Celtics definitely haven't been super sharp lately on offense all the time um as consistently as they were for a while and it just felt like another one of those nights where the ball just didn't hop around the player movement probably wasn't as good um like how many times do they cut for open looks like very rarely I can remember one when Tatum like made a great cut and Brogdon threw it by him out of bounds. Uh, but, like, there wasn't too much of that. And and when they're really going, when they're really playing well offensively, like, you see a lot of those easy buckets. Yeah, we saw no no backdoor cuts. Not, and, like, I think getting Tatum as the, the screener in, in the short roll is something that I think has been really effective for them. Uh, and we didn't see a lot of that tonight. Um, it's interesting because they only turned the ball over 10 times and like turnovers was such a huge issue for them in the playoffs last year. It like kind of reared its ugly head against that in that second game against the heat. Yep. I still felt decision-making wasn't great though. Yeah, no, I was going to say it, it didn't, but it's not like they were playing crisp basketball. Uh, it felt like they got lucky a number of times and they could have had uh, way no, more turnovers. Um, passing wasn't great. And, um, yeah, it just it didn't seem like they were playing with confidence. And I don't know. I know we got a bunch of people in the comments uh, saying that Jason Tatum was intimidated by the Warriors. I don't. I feel like that's maybe reading uh, too much into it. Like the man just um, had a bad. Would game. you say that's poppycock? I, uh, I I would say that's poppycock, Jay. We've been podcasting together for too long for you to be reading my thoughts like that. But yeah, um, I don't think Jason Tatum was in uh, intimidated by the team. I just think. Uh, he had a bad game, um, and uh, the whole Celtics team just was, like you said, just not getting into the paint, and Jason Tatum was one of them. Um, and it's something that, that they're going to need to figure out, but I just think, like, you know, today they showed up, they got to the beach, and they built a shitty sandcastle. Um, but they got two games in L.A. coming up where they have two new chances uh, to build a new sandcastle altogether. Yeah, the uh, the one there was one. It was kind of funny because on uh, the ESPN broadcast, they had Mike or they had Joe Mazzulla rather mic'd up, and uh, he was telling the Celtics to make sure they had good rim reads, and then to make sure they played transition defense, and then literally the next possession, and Derek White was kind of up against the shot clock, uh, as I remember, and I'm not sure exactly what the shot clock was, but. He like he took a really tough layup and missed it, and then the Celtics had no floor balance, and Golden State just went the other way. And I think 
ended with a Draymond Green dunk. And it was like the two things he had just gotten done saying became a disaster instantly. The rim reads and the transition defense. So, and and when I said the decision-making was bad, I, I mostly mean the rim reads um, and the decisions once they got into the paint, what to do. And I think the Warriors, like, there aren't many teams that have smarter guys, at least their starting lineup. Um, like Looney, Green, Curry, Thompson, those guys are just elite level thinkers of the game and, and they can really, really dial into a scouting report when, when they want to. Um, and it just felt like the Celtics didn't always handle that well. The one play that really stands out while I'm thinking about that is Marcus Smart. And the game, it, it wasn't like totally out of hand by then. I think Tatum had just missed two free throws that would have cut it to six. And then the the Warriors scored and the Celtics came back and uh, Smart like drove to the hoop. Looney was on him, got it stripped a little bit, but still kept possession. Then just forced up some bullshit where Looney was right there. It's like their center is literally guarding you man to man and... It was just a terrible, terrible decision, and Looney just blocked it away. And uh, so stuff like that it doesn't go down as a turnover, but it might as well be. And I think the the cleaning the glass stats show that, like, the transition offense for Golden State wasn't super efficient, but they were in transition a lot. And considering the Celtics only had 10 turnovers – like that means their bad offense, their ugly possessions with shots were leading to Warriors transition offense the other way. Uh, and it really felt like that. Like they just, they weren't smart at the rim. Uh, Tatum was four for 12 inside the paint. And Celtics just kind of, like it, it was just a, just a bad night for their offense. Yeah. I felt like I liked early that the Celtics were kind of, um, running off makes and I thought Marcus Smart did a good job of kind of pushing the pushing the pace there I think they kind of lost that as the game went on and maybe it was just the Warriors doing a really good job of getting back in transition and stopping the flow but it felt like even when the Celtics did create turnovers save for that Jalen Jason kind of uh they're having an alley-oop twice um I can't remember a lot of transition moments for the Celtics and I think that like that's definitely something that they've been much better at this year um, and so it's just a, a disappointing, uh, game for the Celtics, but you know what? Got to keep it positive. They fell to 21 and six. They have won 21 of their first 27 games. A third of the season is over. They have won 21 games. That is a 63 win pace folks. Um, so there's definitely things to improve upon. You definitely have to embrace this failure if you want to get better, but, um, Going to try to keep things positive here on anything's possible. Let's go to the the phone lines. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, here comes negative J King. I just don't know. I mean, I know you're Mister Positive. They're twenty one and six, Jay. If they they have if very easily can go into L A and win the next two games and have a five and one road trip. This this is true. However. However, <laughs> however, here two four, <laughs> like, and I, I, it's one game. It's like, one game like ta- without like Al Horford. Said, 
without Rob Williams. Like Tatum said after the Suns game, like all this doesn't matter if we don't win a championship. This will not matter at all if the Celtics do win a championship. Um, but this this should have been one that they had circled. This should have been one that Jason Tatum was ready to show. I'm not the same fucking player that I was a few months ago when I had a completely disappointing finals. It should have been one where, you know, Marcus Smart came in thinking, you know, we weren't good enough offensively last year in the finals. We need to be more organized. I need to make sure that these guys are in the right spots and that we move the ball and that we get good shots. That's not and, the that's not the Joey Missoula Brad Stevens approach. You can't get high, you can't get too low. It's just another sandcastle, Jay. If you get all hyped up about like, oh, you're gonna build the prettiest sandcastle today, it, like it's just not the right approach. They're just ne- I just like don't think that's what they preach in the Celtics organization, like getting up for a big regular season game. I just that that's just not how they deal with things. Do you think Tatum do you think in some portion of his head there is something that I, I I'm not saying like the Warriors own him mentally. You're saying it. You're uh, saying you're saying they punked him and that uh, he's got uh, he's lived. They're living rent free in his head. Okay. Well, this was the <laughs> I, I he had finished with 18 points. It was his second worst second worst point total of the season. Um. Are you concerned <laughs> that the Warriors do um, take him out of, of who he normally is, take him away from who he normally is, and that if they can do it, someone else can? Um, I'm like, I would say like a four concern on the one to ten scale. Like I do. Oh, I, I didn't expect a four. I thought you'd be less than that. I think and it's, and it's. I feel like it's less about Jason Tatum. It's just like uh, he's not invincible, and when a really good defensive team like the Warriors comes together, and I also think um, teams that have some experience playing Tatum a lot, like the Warriors, and like we saw Miami when they did have Jimmy Butler, um, kind of can give the the Celtics uh, tougher looks and just make things easier for them. I just. Um, so I do think there's this, uh, this a concern of when they're going up against some of the better defenses, uh, they're not going to be able to just like score 120 points every single night. And so I think there is some concern there. I don't know. I it's it's very hard to get a read on what the Jason Tatum play in the Warriors thing is, just because the like is the finals last year the exactly like what's happened and what's going to happen it, like. You only play the Warriors twice a year. We'll see what happens when they come to Boston. Um, I just think it's like a, you can't rely entirely uh, on Jason Tatum just being great against the best defenses. Um, but I don't know. We got we got L.A. Jason Tatum coming up over the next two games, so I would I would not be shocked at all if he's like completely back and uh, is in scores forty points in either of those two games. L.A. Jason Tatum is not. Golden State Jason Tatum at all? No, he's a he's a SoCal guy, not a NorCal guy. <laughs> so SoCal guy. All right, let's get to the lines. All right, Peter G's been waiting for a while. Thank you, Peter G, for joining us here on Anything Is Potable. Peter, how's it going? He dropped off. He didn't want to. He wasn't. 
he wasn't ready. Oh, here he is. PDG. Are you ready for prime time? Do I have to kick you off, Peter? We can hear uh, you. Is that me? Here we go. Yeah. Oh, that's weird. My name's not Peter. No. Oh, okay, cool. Well, it says Peter G on my screen. What is your name? My name is Colin. <laughs> oh, what's up, Colin? Did you steal Peter's account to log into your uh, athletic? Fake-ass Peter. <laughs> uh, Peter G You use someone my... else's account, don't you? You guys share an account. We just caught you sharing an account. <laughs> Dang. My, my best friend's name is Peter Gabriel. You did just catch me. That's wild. <laughs> <clears throat> um, like this, this is a lightning anyway. moment. This is the first time that's ever happened. So yeah, congrats. I literally didn't even think about it. Hey, uh, I, I do kind of want to. I do kind of want to bring up uh, what you were saying about uh, Tatum and the Warriors and kind of feeling like uh, they may be in his head or whatever. I, I feel like when I've watched Tatum struggle in a Celtics uniform has been when he kind of like breaks his man down because he wants to maybe play iso ball or he's, you know, obviously the best guy with the ball in his hands and he comes around the corner and there's a defender that, you know, knows how to sort of play that like cat and mouse of like, am I going to contest? Am I going to cover the dunker spot? And there's nobody in the world, maybe in the history of basketball that does that better than Draymond. And it feels like Looney does that really well too. So that's kind of what I've watched him struggle with is like, if he's not getting to the rim and really attacking with like confidence, then it feels like the rest of the game is sort of falling apart and he just is sort of becoming a jump shooter. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, no, that's probably fair. Um, and I, I, I do think he's come a long way. Like I, I bring up the, the warrior struggles just cause it is real. Um, and the, the, the finals was actually disappointing. And I think at the time, like there were a lot of, probably pretty fair excuses to give for him. Uh, the amount of minutes that he'd played, the lack of shooting at times around him, um, and the Warriors just had a great defense. But, yeah, like, it's it's harder to as a scorer when the other team is just really smart. And Green and Looney are among the, the very best in the world at that. And everybody else is, too, and everyone else is physical. Um I think sometimes, like, sometimes you just got to shoot it, though. Like, there was one possession, and Looney ended up stripping him on the left wing. Uh, and I just felt like like he, he, he didn't want to let Looney off the hook, but Looney was kind of giving him some space, and it was just like, shoot the step back, man. Like, you can really shoot that thing. Um, and I just feel like they had him second-guessing a little bit, and because they're so smart and because they have – so many guys who can just really impact how an offense moves um, that that maybe he was second-guessing things a little bit in a way that he normally does. And I think on most nights, like, he will have – he'll get more easy buckets. Um, he'll he'll find more ways to, to slip screens and do all that. But the Warriors did a great job of taking away the easy stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think – the intelligence there, especially at the rim and Draymond, like he might be the most impactful. I know Rudy Gobert has all the defensive player of the years and stuff, but Draymond Green might be the most impactful defender of this entire generation. So he's really, really good. Yeah. Just if him and Looney, it just feels like when Tatum's attacking and getting into the paint, there's just like less 
confidence of just not knowing how to attack and what exactly to do and like decision making. Um, and it feels like all the Celtics kind of struggled there uh, in that regard tonight. Um, and it also felt like this. It's weird because the Celtics have the best offensive rating in, in history. Um, but it felt again tonight like they didn't always have enough creation. Uh, and that's weird. And it's not always going to be the case. But like they didn't care what Blake Griffin did. They did not. They didn't really care. Like they had Looney guarding Marcus Smart, who's the point guard. Um and so, like, didn't feel like they showed Derek White a lot of respect either, even though he's a much better shooter now. Like, they were just helping off a lot of guys. And so the Celtics have to deal with that. And maybe it's just like, shoot the fucking thing, Derek White. You're open. Uh, well, he did, and he was one for seven from the field and missed some wide open threes. Uh, maybe it's his warrior struggles that we should really be talking about. Yeah, or maybe we should talk about Derek White going on the J.J. Reddick podcast and just being one of the most boring interviews I've ever listened to. Maybe we should talk about that. Great guy. Um, <laughs> Fantastic not- guy. Seems very, very nice, but was not the most dynamic and storyteller I've ever heard. Cool. That was a, Der- a Derek Whiteian response right there. <laughs> Oh yeah, my bad. My editor slacked me, so I wasn't paying any attention to you at all. And she and she's listening to to this right now, so oh, she just cool. heard. Good day. Um, Hello, Sanaya. What do you think? Like, if Malcolm Brogdon wasn't there in the first half, this would have been there was like no chance of this game. Like, he has really uh, held this game together just with his personal offensive creation. Um, there in the first half. I think he had 18 points or 14 points in the first half. And then he just, I think that's all kind of like all he did. Um, yeah, he only had two points in the second half. So I did think they got some, like some of that secondary creation that you're talking about. And the reason why their offense looked a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, m- maybe creation half. isn't the right word, but just like, it didn't feel like the Warriors treated their guys like threats. A number of their guys, and look, that'll be different when Al Horford's out there. And um, but it it didn't feel like like the Warriors like were too concerned with a lot of guys on the Celtics. Well, I'm just looking at the um, second half box score right now. Malcolm Brogdon only played eight minutes in the second half, which feels a bit weird to me. Um, and they tried Peyton Pritchard to get in there uh, for a little bit, but. It really felt like Brogdon had some sort of answer to the Celtics' uh, offensive Brog- woes. He was the only offense for a little while. Uh, that's probably like the the biggest the biggest uh, plus from this game was that like when they were stagnant, when they couldn't figure out anything else, Brogdon just went and got buckets, and that that's a that's a major help. And it kept them in the game for a while. They were only down five at halftime after a pretty bad first half. And if Malcolm Brogdon hadn't been there, if this had been last year's roster, then they're not that close. Because um, otherwise, it was a really ugly first half for the most part, but except for Brogdon's like little spurt there. Yeah, and that's why it's kind of confusing. He only got eight minutes, um, I guess, in that second half. Um, I don't like remember why exactly that was. Only, I guess, two minutes there in the fourth quarter. Uh, they were basically going with a closing lineup of um, 
kind of smart white Jalen Tatum and, and Grant. So I guess you're like you're not going to go full uh, small uh, entirely. But I did think Brogdon was the lone kind of bright spot here. Um, what well, did you feel about the Tatum and Jalen at or Jalen or whoever it was at center? Maybe Smart was at center. I don't know. I mean, I like that Joe Mazzulla was willing to do it. I like it became very obvious that they couldn't keep playing uh, Blake Griffin out there. They got some stops. I think Derek White um, earned the just like the ability to kind of be out there and close the game. But I like what was that? Like two minutes of basketball. I think it's hard to get. Derek uh, White had some amazing blocks. Derek White is the defensive playmaker. <laughs> Derek White is his, like I just uh, denigrated that the block. man for his. Uh, for his lack of interview skills, but man, that guy's good on defense. I think he's one of the best Curry defenders in the league and Curry still went off. But if I had to choose one guy, I think I would choose Derek white to be trail Curry on screens over smart at this point. He's amazing. Yeah. He, uh, he's, he's a wizard at like just avoiding screens and staying close to a guy and still impacting a shot. The block he had on Curry where he recovered to him and blocked a three. Like Stephen Curry rarely gets three pointers blocked because he's able to create separation. One has the quickest release ever Two, and white did it. And he also had that crazy block on Draymond where he just pieced his shot off the board. That was, that was good stuff. Uh, one for seven <laughs> struggles against the Warriors on the offensive end are real, but some really, really impressive defensive plays by Derek white. Let's go to Akash. Hey, join us here on Anything is Potable. Hey, what's good, guys? Thanks for taking the call here. So uh, you got to talk me off the ledge here, all right? I don't want to be all doom and gloom, but to me, this is an extremely – Sounds like you're doom and gloom if you're on the ledge. No, so let me me say this. It's concerning to see these same problems against good teams, right? We can't guard pick and roll looking at Miami, Cleveland – even Chicago, obviously Golden State tonight, offense seems to t- stagnate against these active defenses that are, you know, high end. Probably expect to see similar stuff against Milwaukee. You know, you see the ISO reliance. All the good stuff they're doing over the past two weeks, is it going out the window? Are they paper tigers here? I'll take myself off. Paper tigers. I think you yes, you too. tweeted us too. You really want to you really know. Want I want to know. Paper it's... tigers. <laughs> um. I don't think they're paper tigers. Look, they went to the finals last year. They're better this year. They have they added Malcolm Brogdon, which is a big deal. They have better habits. They're better offensively. Uh, one bad night should not have you super worried about this team at all. They are still along with the Bucks, pretty clearly the class of the East at this point. Maybe the class of the entire NBA, no matter. Although tonight wasn't wasn't the best example of that, at the very least, um, and defensively, I guess it's just going to be totally different when it's not Blake Griffin, and when it is Al Horford, or when it is Robert Williams who come back. So we haven't even talked about that. Robert Williams could come back next game or the game after that. Like he's very close at this point. So they're close to getting back uh, huge parts of their defense, and and then they'll have options like. The reason why the Warriors had such a great first half, one of the major reasons why, was because the Celtics had no options. They just had Blake Griffin in the paint and put everything on their perimeter guys to try to disrupt those guys. Um, 
And it didn't work because there's Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. And when they get open shots, that's normally a bad thing for your defense. But, like, the Celtics won't always have to defend like that. They will very rarely have to defend like that when they're at full strength. Um, Al Horford, by the way, health and safety protocols for, like, the 19th time. He's got to be the world record holder in most health and safety protocol trips. You know what it is? He's got kids, man. He's got kids, and they're just – I went to a three-year-old's birthday party today. Just germs everywhere. It was disgusting. <laughs> Are you going to be sick soon? Are you already I was, I was, I was, plotting to skip an episode or two next week? No, you I was – You probably got all the three-year-olds sick. I was sick earlier in the week just from hanging out with That's my nephew. That's what I'm saying. And then I have to go to his birthday party. Yeah. How how are you blaming the kids for germs when you're the one with the germs? I, I don't like this. I don't like this. Blaming the next generation when really am it's, I it's Am I you. the paper tiger? <laughs> What's the Taylor Swift song? Like, hey, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. It's oh, what's the, what's the Taylor Swift it. song? As I uh, quoted exactly, J. King, well well done. Yeah, I, I will spare you guys from uh, trying to sing this song. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Here, Akash, you don't have to be on the ledge. They are 21-6. and They just played the team with the best record in the Western Conference on Wednesday night, and they are up by 45 points. They've only lost to four basketball teams this year. They are 21-6. and Robert Williams, probably the best defensive player on the team, has yet to play a game. And he's coming back maybe in the next two games, which would be absolutely insane. They played this game against the Warriors without Al Horford, who's a very important big man for them. They are playing Blake Griffin, who's on a veteran minimum and uh, otherwise just doesn't play when Al Horford's actually in the lineup. His job is just just hang out and tell good jokes. And that was their starting center in this game. Jason Tatum had a bad performance. They only made 12 threes, and two of those were in garbage time. I'm pretty sure one of them was by – was it by Vonley? Someone ridiculous made a three. Um, like, they had an a, a underperformed shooting-wise. Tatum had a bad game, and everyone's just upset because uh, they're playing the team they lost in the finals last year. You can't get too high. You can't get too low. We're on to Los Angeles where they're going to sweep the Clippers and the Lakers 
and go five and one on the homestand. And everyone needs to the step, road stand, bro. The road stand. That's what I said. Uh, and everyone needs to step off back from that ledge, my friend. Uh, it's just uh, step out from that ledge, my friend. We got w- way more Jay Kinging. Jay, whoa, Jay King singing Jay Kinging on this podcast than I anticipated. Yeah. What's your go to yeah, karaoke so song, Jay? I haven't done karaoke probably since I was in college. Uh, <laughs> and in, co- in college, I was a little bit of a clown. Uh, so I used to do Superman by Eminem. Oh, God. And, and the bar the bar we would go to to do it, it was mostly like like older people from the town. <laughs> really? Not college kids. And so I just, the whole place would just get uncomfortably silent. When I was doing it, I think everyone was just kind of mad that some asshole was singing a, a violent Eminem song. Yeah, no, the key to a good karaoke song is you got to choose like a party anthem that like no matter what the crowd is going to the crowd's going to like. Yeah, see, I wasn't about that. I, I wanted to, <laughs> to make things a little uncomfortable. You know, I, <laughs> I wanted people to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. All right, my go-to karaoke song, you didn't ask, but it's... You um, just wanted to share yours. That's why I didn't ask, because you only asked me so that I would ask you. All right, so people won't know. People won't get to know. Let's go to Tom S. No, now I'm curious. Now I'm curious. <laughs> Fat Please Lip by Sum 41. That song rocks. What is, I, don't, I don't know that song. You know Fat Lip. No. No, I don't. Wow. Well, once we hang up, we'll, you'll have to listen to that and get amped to write tonight. No, I'm not writing tonight. Well, you'll no, you'll listen to this song and be like, "Man, I need to crank out a, a few paragraphs right now." Sweet. Let's go to Tom S. Can't believe you never heard. Sweet of Sum Forty One, bro. You've never heard of Fat Lip. Tom Tom S. First, have you heard of the song Fat Lip by Sum Forty One? Uh huh. Yes. Fantastic. Thank you. That's, that's disappointing. Uh, come on here. Uh, 20 to 5. By the way, first of all, hope you guys are all right. It's been a while since I've been on it. It's not doom and gloom. It, it, it's okay. I've been, uh, my bottom lip was going, but I think uh, you've got to get, well, I, I'd consider that a blowout personally. Uh, I, I don't think we played very well. I think we're quite flat, but nobody goes a whole season without having some sort of uh, emphatic loss. I think it's more who we've lost to rather than uh, how we've lost, so to speak. I'm a bit yeah. worried about Rob coming back. I know we're all getting a bit excited. Uh, the reason why I've come on it, I want to ask you for, Jay, I know you spend a lot of, a lot of time with the team and watching training and stuff. I've seen some um, some videos uh, on Twitter and stuff. And I'm sure you guys have seen them. They've been shared everywhere. And I know Rob's had a bit of a brace on, so that will restrict movement. But he seems to be a bit gingerly uh, when uh, landing his dunks and stuff like that. Uh, is that... Just what we've seen online, or have you seen a bit more? And should I not be too worried? Because uh, me and my friends have been talking about it, and I seem to be in the mindset of maybe wait until the new year. I don't know if I'm just a bit paranoid, but I'm hoping you'll be able to uh, lift my spirits a bit and tell me it's all going to be all right. Well, first of all, yes, it's it's going to be okay. Uh, and and I, I do think he's going to take a, a while to get back to – the normal Rob that people expect, uh, the freak of nature, the flying high above the rim, and and especially the the guy he became last season, uh, started to become probably the season before, who's able to just play with 
a ton of energy all the time. Uh, I think conditioning, timing, all of that will take take a while. And that's why I think on the last podcast, I predicted like when he gets back, it could be one of the rockier periods of the season just because they've got to reincorporate him. He's got to get back. As far as when to bring him back, the Celtics know that a lot better than I do. Um, even if he's able to play limited minutes, like if that's part of his rehab basically um, and he's playing 15 minutes in a game instead of playing 15 minutes in a scrimmage, like that could actually be beneficial to to the rehab process. So don't expect it, expect him to be 100%. Definitely expect it to take a while. Um, but don't be worried either if he comes back and it's like doesn't look right at first. Like that's that's probably to be expected. He's been gone for a long time. And the key is getting him on a plan that he'll be healthy when the playoffs come. And they know that. They know that as much as anybody. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm uh, got, well. We've got to ask if we win against Milwaukee at Christmas, will we get a bit of a karaoke special from you both? Then, if you, you seem to have, uh, you seem to have the voices for it. No, nobody, <laughs> nobody wants my karaoke. Maybe they want Packard's karaoke. You, you could uh, put like an extra premium tier on the Athletic. It could be like standard, and then, uh, and then like a premium one for that guy to share with his friend. If Packard, we'll all share a car, we... So we'll all chip in. We want, we want Jay, uh, Jay and Sam karaoke special. Uh, we should do a, a karaoke duo and uh oh we gotta find it we gotta find a duet a duet we can do together uh at, after the christmas game if they win uh and thanks for the call Tom. and thanks for the brilliant idea um yeah no i think that's uh uh i think that might be in the works um uh, i was the season it would be the season if the celtics beat the bucks on christmas um, I will, I will, I will croon uh, after the game on the on the uh, post game podcast. Uh, that's a promise I'm making right here to you folks and to Tom out there. I are, always love. Are you gonna do some forty one? Are we gonna pick a uh, song to, to? I think we can up? let the good fans out there pick a, another song for me. I think I I had do I have like veto power, but like I'm I'm game for most nonsense. I feel like we just single handedly assured that like half of our audience will not listen to that episode no because the thing about the internet is that people like tuning in to watch other people look foolish uh how many people how many people did we did watch you throw up an obscene amount of mcdonald's like (laughs) (laughs) that that wasn't people weren't tuning in to to watch me look foolish they people were tuning in to waiting for you to to, waiting for you to to listen to grandy Announce me looking foolish. Speaking of uh, looking foolish, Grant Williams got tossed from this game for punching the ball. Uh, I didn't know that was a rule, but uh, I thought that was funny. Uh, he was just dumbfounded. Scott Foster was <laughs> threw him out immediately. He was the quickest. He, he's had a tough year with the referees. Uh, that's the second time he's gotten ejected from a game this season. He's supposed to be Mr. Man of the Union. Run over Mr. a female Union. ref this time. He's supposed to be Union Vice President. He's just punching the ball uh, into the stands. Yeah, but it it wasn't like it wasn't like a super. It wasn't like Kyrie was after that game in Denver against Jamal Murray. It wasn't. It wasn't yeah, there, there was no malicious intent. He was just frustrated and just 
punched at the ball. Yeah, if that ball went off the backboard, uh, he would not have been uh, an ejection. It just would have been normal, um, normal, uh, normal frustration. Um, other things did, from this. Do you have any uh, junk drawer? Let's I'm doing drawer. that right now. Did, did you saw the the powerful Joe Missoula walk and talk from Lisa Salters? Uh, so, so I was doing one of those stupid videos that I put on Twitter. Um, so I had it on mute. So I, I didn't hear what he said. But those are just weird, man. Like, so bizarre. I, I, I don't I don't understand like what the value is, the production value is to just having somebody awkwardly walking while giving an interview. It probably depletes the the actual content of the conversation you're having because the person is like trying to walk uh toward the court while they're doing it uh, i don't i don't know whether it's just because to save time for the coaches like they shouldn't have to save time they've got plenty of fucking time just have them stand still for 30 seconds um but yeah those, those really are weird and they bother me and and this one ended whoever with like came a... up with that idea <laughs> like just know you've really irritated me and that one ended like they didn't know what to do. So it was just like an awkward pan to Celtics PR guy, Brian Olive, who just got like a few seconds of screen time because no one knew what to do after the walk and talk. It's something that's happened on every ESPN game this year. And I don't know why, but it's it's high unintentional comedy for me. I'm a big fan of it um, just because it's, like, it's, see, it's so stupid. <laughs> I'm kind of a hypocrite because I, I kind of liked it when they, when they had those Jay Billis interviews when he would just walk. I think it was usually with college basketball players, maybe always with college basketball players, and he would just interview them while walking across the court, and then it would just end once they got across the court. <laughs> and I always got a kick out of that, so maybe I'm just a, a hypocrite. I, I, uh, it's it's got to be the right walk and talk is what you're trying to tell me. It's It's got to be the right context and the right environment. Yeah, because I feel like they did that ironically. Like they knew that was just weird, and and the walk and talk now they they think that it's really a good thing. Yeah, yeah if they not. did a walk and talk on a treadmill or something, or did something like it, like they seemed in on the bit, like not like they were trying to impress us, then it would be more entertaining. That would be, yeah, like I'd be in for that. Like if they really upped the the value of weirdness. Then, then we could appreciate it. But instead, it's just like they're trying to do it like it's just part of his walk to the fucking court. <laughs> I'm not um, for it. I'm, I'm not about that life. There was a, one of the worst calls ever on Derek White uh, getting called for pushing his hand off when he just didn't do anything whatsoever. I have that so, in all, ca- all caps so, in my notes. So, so that, that was a bad call. Um, but I also understand why the ref in real time thought it. Oh no! It looked like it in the when you first saw it, it was like, oh yeah, that's just like classic driver a guy uh, creates space that way. But then the replay was like, oh my god, that was one of the worst calls of all time. That was true. Oh, yeah, because his, his arms did go up and they did hit. I think it was Kaminga in the face. Um, but it was more like Kaminga's face was just where he was going to be shooting the basketball. Uh, Kaminga was pretty good, by the way. He dumped and- on Jason Tatum's face. Uh, yeah, that was impressive. one of the plays, and the ball went out of, of bounds. Plays, but it was still cool. That was one of the plays that kind of separated Jason Tatum's night as a really bad one. I thought, um, and maybe he just stopped playing because he thought the ball was out of bounds. But like the whistle didn't blow, and he just kind of just didn't go after the ball. Just kind of stood there while he got dunked on. It's like 
you're an MVP candidate because you're a two-way player because you don't have moments like this where some second-year pro on the other team who's still really, really figuring things out dunks on you. Like, that's not supposed to happen. You're supposed to be the guy that blocks Luka Doncic and shit. So that was just one of one of many uh, underwhelming moments from Jason Tatum. I didn't think it was just offense. Um, he had some good defensive moments too, but but there were a few plays like that where he just kind of stopped playing, and and I didn't expect. I really expected him to have like a an awesome locked in night against the Warriors, knowing how much that finals loss haunted him, knowing how much he's been waiting for this, and it just didn't happen. He's Hollywood, bro. He's not not about that Silicon Valley tech, you know, you know everything is going on with Twitter. Elon Musk, he's not about that. He's about mo- making motion pictures, and he shines in Hollywood. Um, and he did have a very cool spin move uh, in, like, the first six minutes of the game where he, like, really took it to um, Draymond Green. If I'm just that was really nice. If I'm just trying to save face for Jason Tatum right now. That was um, another play that they got all the way to the hoop, by the way. The, the stat I shared earlier probably false. Uh yeah, it's gotta be like in the half court or something. Like I don't um I don't know where that stat came from, but um cleaning the ga- glass right line straight to my face. Oh uh, yeah. Sometimes that'll happen. Um the only other note I have is that Mike Breen, Jalen Brown went on a little five point run and he said Jalen Brown from downtown. It was like, oh my God. This has been sitting in front of us the whole time. How come no one's ever said that before? That was genius. Why well, I mean, downtown Jalen Brown. Yeah, I think that's I said something I would say if I was a commentator. I I I'm not I'm not here for this this sarcastic slander. <laughs> Sometimes the obvious call is the right call. What, JB for three? That works too. I, rhyming, just... rhyming is good. <laughs> if we've learned anything through the years, it should I've be I've been the biggest advocate for the rhyme. I'm saying they should do the rhyme more often. I, I'm the one saying rhyming is good. You're the one saying just keep it simple. I want some dramatic flair. I want we, more we walk and talk. I want, I want more shenanigans. What about Ballyhoo? I could go for Ballyhoo. I could go for tomfoolery as well. <laughs> just a little goodwill hunting stuff all right we've we've officially reached the point in the night we, where we've uh, gone off the rails we've gone off the rails thanks everyone for uh tuning in for this post-game podcast after the celtics lose to the warriors let me remind you folks only their sixth loss of the season they are 21 and six they have the best record in basketball they are a very very good basketball team and you have been listening to not a very, very good podcast, the best Celtics podcast. Thank you guys. I've never, I've never read our comments before. Oh, you don't, you don't keep like, it keep in the chat? chat. Oh, they were people were furious. They were talking about Tatum's being intimidated. It is wild. Uh, I'm, I'm dying laughing right now. Re- reading, reading some of these. Uh, College JK must have been an absolute menace. <laughs> yes. Joshua B will will take us all off the ledge. Where was Josh tonight? What the fuck, Josh? You never miss. He was in the comment Jay ha- section. <laughs> Jay has a voice like a combo of Fergie, Fergie and Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't. There, there's no topping that. That is 
That is literally potable. Jay King is Fergie and Jesus, folks. That's what you get when you listen to our podcast. Anything is potable. Anything is potable. Anything is potable. Tune in later in the week after they sweep these two games in Los Angeles. We'll break it all down here on The Athletic. Thanks for listening, folks. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.